It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 419, I am Todd the Haas Stewart, and we are joined in studio, of course, by our co-host today, Katie Meyer from Susquehanna University. Joining us on the SECV hotline, John Barchard from BleedingGreenNation.com. John, uh, the world has stopped spinning on its axis. Ja'Cory Shepard has suffered an ACL tear. Stop the presses, uh, the cancel the season, everything is over. Like, just, <laughs> let's just put it up in a little bow. It was nice knowing it. We weren't sure about, uh, you know, the Bradford thing, uh, but, you know, we, we managed it. We weren't sure about the, the trading your franchise running back uh, to Buffalo, but, you know, we're getting over there. But, oh, my gosh, you trade a guy that plays 42% of the snaps, and then your six-round pick, who maybe would have played 30% of those, is out for the year. Just cancel the season. It's over, Todd. Uh, Neil, Neil Kulong is going to send you a nice fruit basket, by the way. <laughs> you know, he emailed me just like, hey, thanks for boyfriend when it happened. It's just like, guys, this was... This this has so much more to do with than just depth and, and everything else here. Boykin's going into his last year. The Eagles didn't see him playing on the outside. And initially, when the trade went down, I thought that was the Steelers' intention. It's going to put Boykin on the outside because their secondary, let's just be honest, hasn't been great with William Gain, Cortez Allen. And I know they had an injury with, I think it was their third or fourth round pick this year, mm-hmm. who everybody was really high on. So when that happens, and in my mind, I was like, wow, if you're going to put Brandon Boykin on the outside, you're just asking for trouble. And that's one of the things, and, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, that's a homer statement, that's a chip bot thing. That was way before Chip got here, and I didn't really see Brandon Boykin as an outside guy. He just doesn't have that top-end speed to kind of, you know, kind of turn around. And, and by the way, he gets beat up by a really tall receiver, so that's not, not a great thing when, you know, you're going to be facing A.J. Green twice a year or somebody else that's out there. But if he's going to remain in the slot – even more so, it makes sense for the you know for the the Eagles to kind of trade them off here. What they're trying to do in Philadelphia, and this is something that I don't think everybody understands what they're doing. Whether it was whether uh, they're, I mean, they're trying to get away from playing in the nickel defense. They want to stay in the base formation as much as possible. That's why they brought in Byron Maxwell and paid him a whole bunch of money because he can play in and outside. That's why Jalen Watkins, the rookie from last year, is still on the roster because he can play inside and outside. That's why Nolan Carroll's here. He can play inside and outside. That's why they drafted Eric Rowe. He can play inside and outside. So there are many other options if they have to go into that nickel formation where they can just kind of do that. 
maybe they just bring in Walter Thurman, who's you know potentially playing safety right now, up into that slot position and make play a cover one with the safety on top. That's essentially what they want to do. And I've also heard that they might actually just put Nolan Carroll there to start out the year and have Eric Rowe start on the outside, which is a little scary to start a rookie on the outside, but he's been kind of doing okay in camp and getting those reps and getting comfortable with everything going forward here. There's a lot of different options for what the Eagles can do at that slot position. And again, when you have Brandon Boykin, who's not never going to play out on the outside for the Philadelphia Eagles, whether you disagree with his talent or my, uh, you know, evaluation of him or anything else like that, you would rather, you're telling me, you'd rather have a guy in the slot for a year than get nothing as opposed to just trade him or get whatever you can because you're not going to use him next year anyway and he's not going to sign. I'll take the risk and the gamble on trying to get that fourth-round pick if he plays 60% of the snaps out there. See, all, that all, was, that, all that is fine, what you're saying, and I, I agree with you, but that's not sexy. This is sexy when you're talking about, you know, you just traded a guy a week and a half ago and now one, one of your potential starters goes down, you know, so so – that's that's what <laughs> see it doesn't matter what whether it makes sense or not it matters he's if not it's a sexy. Starter. Todd, he's not a starter. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like people put this thing in, he's a thirty or forty percent. He's not a starter. And like I hear a lot of people, and I think I heard Neil even say it too. This is why you want to wait a week. If you wait a week and Brandon Boykin's the one that tears his ACL when he gets accidentally run into uh, Darren Sproles, then where are you at? Then you have nothing for a guy to show. You're not going to resign him next year, and you let him walk. And maybe if you're lucky, you get a you know a uh, a compensation pick for a free agent the next year, but that's, I mean, we're talking about, and what if, what if Boykin got traded and then his ACL went? Like, then, it, then it's a bad trade for Pittsburgh. Like, it doesn't make any sense in hindsight on either side. We could play that game all day. The Eagles <laughs> did the right thing. It was the right trade then. It's the right trade now. I'm not worried about it. If one of the starters went down, then it's an issue, but they didn't. So, it's it is what it is right now. We need to go to the voice of reason now, Katie. Go ahead. Yeah, I was say, let's talk about stuff that's actually truly really happened and not what ifs. Um, That'll never work around here. <laughs> so, from your perspective, what did you think the holes were entering preseason, and do you think that they're close? Granted, it's early, but are they close to filling some of those holes? Uh, not really. I still think the hole is at safety on the defensive side. As much as I like the idea of Walter Thurman playing safety there and just went through that whole explanation of why they would want to stay in a base defense and blah, 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 blah. It's not, it's something that really just hasn't been addressed. They've tried a, a number of different things even before Chip Kelly got here and it's just been kind of one of those things where, you know, there's the famous who's the next Brian Dawkins in this town and, they just haven't found it yet. Not that you need one. I mean, safety play around the league is pretty is pretty awful. Uh, and my philosophy on 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 all that is they're always an NFL team is always going to have a hole somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely and if I can if there's one team out there that has great depth that has like starters or backing up starters, I'd love to see that team. Uh, but it just depends on again where where else. Are you looking at what's going to be your strength? So safety isn't one. I also think offensive line depth is an obvious one that sticks out, and I don't really think they fixed that either. Um, and that kind of depends on who's going to take this right guard spot. It looks like that Alan Barbre was going to be your left guard in between Jason Peters and, and Jason Kelsey, and that looks like it's going to stick, and now there's this kind of rotation. And my guy from Iowa, Matt Tobin, who I thought would be a pretty good lock in there, looks like he's going to have a lot of competition here. So yeah, I think those are still the two kind of big holes going into uh, their first preseason game here. So a lot of people are anxious to see if that offensive line ends up holding up and stays healthy and does all that other stuff. 
And if they do, I mean, they've got probably one of the best backfields in the NFL. And hopefully, again, you know, if Sam Bradford stays upright, uh, probably one of the better quarterbacks in the league as well. He certainly seems to be uh, impressing the folks. I'm talking Bradford now, John. Uh, he certainly seems to be impressing everybody with what he's done so far in limited reps at training camp so far. Yeah, I think what I think what this week and especially yesterday. I mean, there was forty thousand people that showed up to the link for their open practice, and um, some of the you know, and some of the beat writers throughout the week too, who had some maybe you know a little bit of resiliency as far as like you know how good really is this guy. I saw a couple of the guys kind of the the switch just kind of clicked over and said, you know what, I I see it now. I get what everybody was talking about. And for Bradford, it's never been uh, a kind of an issue with pinpoint accuracy. His arm's always been really good, and that was been on display all week. And I think people didn't really understand exactly just how good his arm is, how good his accuracy is, and all that other good stuff. Because when you look at that, and granted, there's no pass rush, there's no really anything, there's no big pressure, so that's why we're all really excited to see what happens against the Colts on Sunday night. Is I mean, in this offense, it is a yards after the catch type of offense. And when he can, his ball placement is so ridiculously good if he's got a little bit of time that it kind of opens the floodgates. And then you start thinking, well, if he can do that uh, most of the time and uh, under pressure, then you're going to see those second-year guys like Josh Up, who, who showed those flashes last year of being able to be like that running back when he's got the ball in his hands afterwards, really kind of, you know, just take it to the house and some of those, whatever, you know, those bubble screens or those you know, shallow crossing routes and not to mention just the deep ball itself. Uh, and then you just start thinking more and more. It's like, well, if he can do that, then Jordan Matthews can just step up and do that same thing, and it just kind of grows and grows. And I was like, man, then plus you put the running game behind that, you could build on something really, really special here. So now the next step is is just to convince uh, more and more people here in, and to see if he plays. I'm hopefully Tip Kelly wants to play him for a little more than half a quarter or something like that just to get the rust off, get all that stuff going in. Really want to see him in-game action and if he can – uh, take those skills and put them in a, in a live game situation. I think that's what everybody's waiting for now. We've talked about this before, but I'm a Jets fan. So what you're saying is that you're Mark on, Sanchez, ahead, my go boy, ahead. my boy Mark Sanchez, doesn't look like he's going to be the first option to take the field. So uh, he'll have plenty of time to sit on the bench and eat his uh, infamous hot dogs. Is that what you're saying? Yes, hot dogs and chicken wings. Yes, absolutely. He, he prefers the chicken wings here in Philadelphia. And I, you know, I, I've been kind of saying this all all off season. As much as I was calling for Mark Sanchez last year. With Nick Foles, um, there is a sizable gap in between what Sam Bradford can do for this football team and what Mark Sanchez can do for this football team. I do buy into some of this, the other things of, yeah, I think Mark Sanchez could have had a, a little more time and maybe the shoulder was still bothering. So maybe that's why his deep ball wasn't as good last year. But, uh, you know, Brandon the Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation, my partner in crime here, has been down there all the time and he's saying the same things that have basically carried him throughout his whole career where he's really good inside the numbers. So, you know, tight ends, finding those guys in the middle of the hashes, all that other stuff. It's just on the outsides where you want to get those deep threats where a lot of the times that, you know, those 20-yard-plus plays that you saw in 2013 really just kind of got erased in 2014 because they couldn't go downfield. It's also one of the reasons why Jordan Matthews had so much success uh, late in the season last year when he took over. I just think that there's so much. Mark Sanchez would have to basically look like uh, a reincarnation of Joe Montana, in the next four weeks here, 
for there even to be a consideration for Mark Sanchez to take over. I don't think there's a QB competition. I don't think there ever really was one. You spend a second-round pick on Sam Bradford, plus you're paying him $13 million this year. It'd be really, really hard to set, you know, sit Sam Bradford down and, and play Mark Sanchez uh, unless it was for health reasons here. So I'm sorry to disappoint you, Katie. It looks like old Sanchez is going to be hanging out on the bench for a little bit longer. <laughs> He's used to it. That's home. Yeah, since, since you brought up the F word there, uh, John, and that, of course, is Foles, have you, uh, <laughs> have you taken the Nick Foles poster out of your den now officially? No. Yes, I like that's what I was like a long, long gone, long gone, and that's the <laughs> most ridiculous. This is the, this is the other thing here, here, Hoss, and 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 I, I take full responsibility for saying I think they found their guy in Nick Foles because I think a lot of people did and they wanted to believe that you know the twenty-seven and two thing into this next season. I think that's where they wanted to be, but you know we a lot of the things, and this is just this is just kind of overall as far as I see guys down at Vikings camp. I see Jason Lock and Floor and. Pete Prisco and all these guys saying, wow, Vikings, they're doing really great things here. I hear Chris Collinsworth last night on the air mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, Brandon Boyk is probably the best quarterback in Philadelphia. For I was like, <laughs> where are you getting this from? Then the next thing I hear is just like Joseph Randall's the next coming from, from, uh, from NFL.com and 6.7 yards and all this stupid narrative. And, and then I, and then we're supposed to take the P's and Q's from the St. Louis Rams organization of, Hey, you know, Nick Foles, they paid him $12 million a year, which is really interesting because they paid him, they could have been paying him $1.5 million this year to kind of sit and wait and figure it out. And they drafted Sean Mannion, uh, Mannion I think that's right, in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why not have a quarterback competition just to see where that goes? I thought that whole narrative was to get rid of Sam Bradford and the $13 million. But now we're supposed to look at an organization which has screwed itself up time and time again. And supposed to be like, yeah, they did it right. Philadelphia's doing it wrong here. Chip Kelly is doing nothing other than a normal GM would come in here, and I think that's what people haven't haven't separated. We don't question why the Bears traded Brandon Marshall to the Jets. That's not a question. That's just like, okay, that happened. They got value for it and whatever. There's a new GM in town. People don't understand that Chip Kelly, this is his first year as a general manager, and this is what general managers do. Whether it's right or wrong, he's doing what he thinks he's going to do to put the best team on the field. And he's not doing it blindly. So I don't know if it's all going to work or not. I just think it's, it gets a little ridiculous to the point of just like, okay, not every move that the Eagles make is a gamble or, you know, any other that good stuff. It's a process. We have to see if the process works. We're not saying it's like a guaranteed 10 out of 10 that this is going to be great. But, hey, this roster looks a lot better than they did last year on paper. And when you look at Chip Kelly as the GM, uh, on the upside for that, He's going up against Ruben Amaro Jr., so anybody's going to look good. <laughs> exactly. Well, actually, I, I don't know how much say he's had this past offseason, but the return wasn't bad for Cole Hamels. So no. he didn't Mm-mm. screw that up. McPhail and all those guys did a pretty good job. Absolutely, John. It's been a pleasure. We'll talk soon, bud. Todd, Katie, thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> John Bartridge checking in on the SECV hotline on ESPN 92.3, the Valley Sports Leader.